Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. Locked on Vikings on a Thursday. Sam Ekstrom with you at Sam Ekstrom. Before we dive in with Bill Huber of Locked on Packers, an important announcement. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the tickets you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price, and SeatGeek wants to help you to get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOVIKINGS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOVIKINGS today. We have a special guest today from across the border. Bill Huber from Locked On Packers and PackerReport.com. So apparently there's somewhat of a big game on Sunday. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I've heard, and there's... um some sort of dome that's not the Metrodome. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. Uh, it's uh, a big spaceship-looking-like thing that actually, if you look at it from the side, it also kind of looks like a stapler. Uh, sure. the, <laughs> like Seriously, it's got, like, the black, kind of like the Pac-Man shape, like it's eating something, and it's, like, it's chomping down. It's going to chomp down on its opponents and staple them. That's the intimidation factor. Well, that sounds good. You know, I heard, like, you know even, even Rogers pointed out this out yesterday, that uh, they, got a, they got rid of Ragnar. So I guess it needs some intimidation there. There was another thing in that conference call with Rodgers, too. I, there was almost bulletin board material because there was one question, maybe you heard it, where one of our reporters asked Rodgers, um, he was trying to ask him, you know, is there an element of luck in having two quarterbacks man a franchise for you know, a quarter of a century? And Rodgers, Rodgers interpreted that as, are you lucky? Is that why you're so good? And he kind of was slighted by that. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to be burned by it. He's going to throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. But then the reporter clarified. He said, no, you know, I'm just wondering if it's 
is there an element of luck in staying healthy that long, you know, avoiding hits, staying on the field? And Rodgers kind of understood. But I was wiping my brow because I thought it was going to be the bulletin board material, material that he needed. You know, speaking of quarterbacks, who are you guys starting? The, the leaks are already saying Sam Bradford. You know, Mike Zimmer's been trying to, to keep all information out uh, at Winter Park and make sure that nobody knows. But it, it's so hard to keep a secret these days. And rumor has it that Sam Bradford was taking all the first team reps yesterday. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to start. It could mean that he was getting first team reps on Wednesday. Maybe Sean Hill will get them all today. And they'll evaluate based on their performances and then make a decision Thursday night or Friday. But I think the the money line would be on Sam Bradford starting. Sean Hill gave him a good performance last Sunday, and he got the job done. They got the win. But Bradford allows for a more dynamic offensive approach when he's in the game, and they're going to need a better offensive game, I think, against Green Bay if they want to get the job done. So you mean, you've talked to him, you know. He's but you know when he, when Sunday's game starts, he'll be able, he'll be with the team for two weeks. I mean, I, I'm curious. How much of the offense is he going to know? Is he smart enough to give give the Vikings what they need, so they're not you know not running like you know a quarter of the playbook, that kind of stuff? I think that the Vikings are in a way sort of sort of doomed to experience some growing pains in this case. I mean, they're they're accepting the fact that it's really hard to get a quarterback ready in two weeks, but that's how badly they want to win this year. They they've got everyone working around the clock with Bradford, whether it's Pat Shermer, the tight ends coach whether it's North Turner, the offensive coordinator, Sean Hill, who Sam Bradford used to play with, is very helpful to Sam. So they're trying to get him up to speed as much as possible, but you're still going to see a vanilla playbook. I mean, you're still going to see a lot of three-step drops, a lot of quick releases. It's not going to be nearly, I think, what you'd have the capability to do with Teddy Bridgewater, for instance, because, I mean, Bridgewater spent now three years in this system, and Bradford has spent two weeks, and, and and you just can't possibly get up to speed. And I think history meets that out, that even with quarterbacks throughout their entire first year in a new system, they often struggle. And Sam Bradford's going to have a tough time getting the most out of Norv Turner's Air Coriel offense. But, hey, you know, Bill, I was just thinking, I, I hear that there's a cornerback uh, on your side that might be out. Vikings also have a cornerback that's going to be out in Xavier Rhodes, most likely. Um, I'm afraid, though, that... Green Bay is going to exploit the loss of Rhodes more than the Vikings can exploit the loss of Shields. Yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic. Green Bay without Sam Shields, he's their, I mean, he's clearly their best guy. He's their veteran guy. If you include playoffs since 2010, Shields is number two in the league in interceptions behind Richard Sherman. So that shows what, what kind of player he is. And I mean, they are they are thin. And I'm, I, you know, I think Green Bay is lucky in a sense that they're playing the Vikings at this point because. They've got three healthy corners on the whole team, and that would be, and they're all second-year guys. It's their first-round pick, Demarius Randall, their second-round pick, Quentin Rollins, and an undrafted guy, Ladarius Gunter, and that's all they've got. You know, they, they cut a running back yesterday, who, uh, you know, Presley, who the Vikings know, know a bit, obviously. I assume they're going to bring in a corner, but they don't, they don't have any on the, on the practice squad. So they, they might be giving a crash course to somebody here today or Friday, too. It's an interesting dynamic, and they're... Like I said, they're probably lucky to play the Vikings at this point because Bradford's probably not going to be able to exploit those guys as much as he might be able to do later in the year. Now, I'm just thinking of this now, Bill. This is Bill Huber, locked on Packers with us. The Vikings signed two cornerbacks to the practice squad early this week, Trey Roberson and Julian Wilson. Is it possible 
the Vikings were trying to dilute the cornerback market and make sure Green Bay didn't get their hands on one of them? I don't know. Um, you know, Green Bay never gets signed. It almost never goes out and gets veteran guys. But I would think in this case, you almost need to get one, a guy who's got some some sort of familiarity with what they're doing. So I, it's or, or maybe you know what? Maybe they just stick with three guys and figure, well, they're just going to hand the ball to Adrian Peterson all day, and they'll just try to go tackle him. But it's uh, they're, they're they're fortunate, you know. I want to go back to the. You mentioned Bridgewater a few minutes ago. I want I want to go back there real quick. Mm-hmm. How good of a quarterback is he? Because I don't watch any other football because I'm tied up on Sundays. And he's played the Packers three times, and I've never been impressed with him. But that's three games, and you've seen him for thirty some games. Is Minnesota really hurting here without him? Is this a big step back? You think? I think with a 30,000-foot lens, outside looking in, a lot of people see Teddy Bridgewater as a mediocre quarterback, and that's fair based on what he showed through two seasons. I mean, last year he was probably about the 20 to 25th best quarterback in the league, just stats alone. The key thing that Bridgewater did last year was he didn't kill you and he was smart with the football. But I think this year we saw Bridgewater taking strides throughout the preseason and camp that showed that he could actually create some big plays. He he put on some weight. He put on some velocity on his throw. He changed his arm angle. And I was as negative on Bridgewater through the first two years as anybody. And I'll even admit that he was looking much, much better. You know, his passing percentage meted that out in the preseason. He looked phenomenal in the two games he played against Cincinnati and then against San Diego in the third preseason game. Bridgewater looked good. He had good chemistry with his receivers. So when you go to someone who suddenly doesn't know the playbook and doesn't have that chemistry with the way the receivers run the routes, there is a significant drop-off. Not only that, but you lose the mobility because Bridgewater was sneakily very mobile as quarterback. Against San Diego, the last game he played, he broke Adrian Phillips' ankles against San Diego, one of the best uh, juke cuts that I've seen a quarterback make in a long time. So the Vikings do lose something from Bridgewater to uh, Hill slash Bradford. It may not be what it would be, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers went down to the Packers backup. But it is a significant loss. Bridgewater was poised for a bigger year, and it's sad to see that we won't ever know how it would have been. So here we are, about eight minutes into this, and we're, we haven't talked about really the important things here, right? I mean, Jim Peterson is obviously, you know, whoever is the quarterback is, he's going to be the guy. So what on earth did the Titans do on Sunday to stop him, what was it, 31 yards on 19 carries? Yeah, Peterson's having more and more of those type of performances. Uh, he had a, a similar performance week one of last year against San Francisco. And you wonder if maybe not playing in the preseason creates this layer of rust on Adrian Peterson. You know, he had a really, really bad playoff game. He had a couple games last season where he just got shut down. And it seems like it's becoming easier and easier to stack the box and stop Peterson. Whereas earlier in his career, Peterson would face nine in the box and still just run through people. He's not doing that anymore he needs some holes and the Vikings with their new offensive line and their new offensive line coach are just not creating them so the the key will be if Green Bay can stack that box and stifle Peterson I think that's going to also help them stop the pass and obviously if it's going to be Bradford he's probably not going to be doing a whole lot on in, in the passing game either because he just doesn't know the playbook that well he's still pretty raw he's getting his bearings it's a tough situation to throw Bradford in 
And stopping the run is going to go a long way for Green Bay to take the crowd out of this, to get the Vikings in third and longs and get them off schedule. And I'm not sure they'll be capable of completing on in some of those situations. So I think the Packers are in, are in, are in good shape. Um, how's your running game looking with Eddie Lacy? There's a whole weight issue. Do you feel like he's spryer and more agile than ever? Uh, I do. Well, maybe not more than ever, but, yeah, I do see that. He's huge. I mean, I, he's you, – <laughs> I don't know what he weighs, and I don't, you know, I don't know what he weighed last year. He's a, he's just, he's huge. But, I, you know, I, I, I believe the offseason stuff they did with, with the P90X guy and all that. I, I think it's helped. I mean, he, there's a fourth and one run last week in that, on that first drive where he got the ball and just exploded up the middle, you know, in and in gained nine yards, and then later he ran for 20 where he, you know, he jumped over a guy in the hole. And then later he had a screen, which should have been a loss of five, and the def- and the defender just bounced off of him. You know, maybe because Eddie Lacy's huge, <laughs> but <laughs> you know the defender just bounced off of him, and then, and then he broke another tackle and he gained I think seventeen on that. So he's showing more explosiveness explosiveness than he did last year for sure. Um, you know, he got the ball I think fifteen times at Jacksonville, and I, I don't think stamina was an issue. So I think I think he's back. Um, and look, he's going to be a free agent this year too. So you know, he's got what ten million dollars, twenty million, or twenty million reasons to to be back. <laughs> so we'll we'll see over long haul how this pans out. He, he, there's there's old line questions with, you know, they got rid of Josh Sitton in, on cut down Saturday, so they've got they've got a new center compared to last year. Now they have a new left guard, so it's it's a it's a new look old line. But I I, I I've said all along he's going to have a big year just because he he has to have a big year, and. While you might look at him on on Sunday night and think, "Man, he is huge," and I, I would agree with you, I think, I think he's got back some of that explosiveness that he. That he- there is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24/7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions? More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Black last year. So why did you release Sitton? I think people are scratching their heads at that here because I obviously we're so starved for quality offense, offensive line play with the Vikings. Uh, and then Sitton goes after being, you know, an all-pro two out of three years, I think. Uh, what went into that? Well, they, they, they signed David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, to a four-year, fifty-one million extension, and and that's what went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys have a lot of cap problems coming up. Look, it's the it's the price of being good for a long time. I mean, this is why there's a cap, right? I mean, it's to, you know, it's it's like Robin Hood. You're you're you know trying to take away from the rich to, to help the poor. And Green Bay has has got a lot of they've won a lot of games over a lot of years, so they've resigned their core guys. You know, look at me. You can, you can only have so many guys under contract with big money contracts. And you know, Sitton was thirty. He's you know had a bit of a, a little bit of a health history. Um, you know, I've heard he was getting a little bit more uh, cantankerous in, in the locker room. So all those things. And then I, he made a second team All Pro last year. But if you look at the numbers from stats, he allowed six and a half sacks. And you know, his previous five years combined, he allowed six. Now, two of those were playing left tackle against the Vikings in the finale, so you get rid of those. But he still gave up a, four, a career-high four-and-a-half sacks, and then he also had a career-high number of holding penalties. So I think maybe a slightly diminished play 
maybe some locker room stuff, and then maybe the financial stuff. If you add all that stuff into one, I think it's a move that they felt like they needed to make. Now, all that said, there's no way anybody can tell anybody that Green Bay is a better team for this move because they're not. And if the goal is to win a Super Bowl, which it should be, right? I don't think this helps them win a Super Bowl this year, but you know, the GM, Ted Townsend, for better or worse, always has an eye on today and an eye on tomorrow. And I think Sitton was the eye on today and then re-signing Bakhtiari you know, in the league where left tackles are gold and they get paid with gold, I think I think that was the eye for tomorrow. That's interesting. And, you know, the Vikings are also trying to retool that offensive line. They gave up some of the most pressure in the NFL last year. They bring in Alex Boone to play left guard. They bring in Andre Smith to play right guard. They move Brandon Fusco from the left to the right. And then they've got Joe Berger uh, fixture at center now with John Sullivan being released. So that offensive line is totally, totally brand new in really three out of five spots. I'm not sure that it's meshed together quite yet. They struggled in the run game and against Tennessee. And despite not allowing a sack, they were also pretty soft in pass protection. If you look back at the tape, Alex Boone, as big a man as he is, was pretty soft in blocking last Sunday. So the Vikings have their own issues. Fortunately, Sean Hill was surprisingly good at getting rid of the ball and making quick decisions against the Titans. That uh, was a great intermediate passer in that game and, and the Vikings didn't allow a sack which really really set their offense back last season so that's not to say there aren't offensive line issues and if if some pass rush gets going you know with with Matthews Dean Lowry Nick Perry if you guys get coming at the quarterback I'm I do wonder if the Vikings will put up much resistance yeah, that's the one thing that Green Bay will do well and they've, they've done it historically well is they always rush the passer well, and, and their problem is their problem has been stopping the run. And you know, I'm gonna go back to Peterson here, where you know he's had some huge games against the Packers last year. They kept them in check, but they uh, if you look at last year, I think they were, they allowed they allowed 4.54 per carry, and that was like 30th in the league. And over the last six years, they're like 29th in the league in yards per carry. But week one against Jacksonville, they allowed like 1.8 per carry yards, and, and through week one in the meaningless through one stats, they're the number, they're number one in the NFL in rushing rushing defense. So I, I think that's going to be the key for the Packers is can they stop Peterson where it really has been hit and miss with, with, with him over the years. And you're right, if, if they can get him in the, in the third and long, I mean, they've got Matthews, they've got Perry, they've got Nick Perry, or they've got uh, Julius Peppers. They, they've got a whole bunch of issues or a whole bunch of ways to go get the quarterback. And I think regardless of who quarterback, I think that's key for the Vikings is can those guys make those quick decisions and, and can they get the ball into Diggs' hands? And then, you know, from from a Green Bay who who is Stephon Diggs because he had 100 yards last week and really and he really came on strong second half of last year didn't he? Yeah, I'm trying to think if Green Bay really saw the best that Diggs had to offer last year because he and, and I don't think I don't think they did because Diggs had four games right out of the shoot where he averaged 100 yards per game in his first four games being active it was unbelievable one of the best starts for a wide receiver in NFL history but then after that. He really got shut down. Teams realized they just had to had to jam him at the line of scrimmage, and he had a hard time accelerating after contact. And he really only had one good game after that four-game stretch. But Stefan Diggs, who was probably the most outstanding rookie in last year's class, just from a visual standpoint in camp and in OTAs, he looked the part. He looked like he was going to be good. And once again, he looks the part. He looks like he is going to take a huge step and, and start turning into to a younger version of Antonio Brown. At least that's what, uh, what people are comparing him to as far as the ceiling. And Stefan Diggs, has, he's proof that you don't have to be 
a large guy to have a big catch radius or to be strong. I mean, Diggs is pretty diminutive, but he goes up and he makes contested catches. He catches anything in his radius, you know, long arms, great hands, yards after catch, crisp routes. There's very little that he doesn't do well. And you compare him to a guy like Laquan Treadwell, who's much bigger and supposedly much stronger. Treadwell doesn't have a great catch radius, at least from what I've seen. He he drops a lot of passes, whereas Diggs, who you know gives him about four inches, still is uh, the better and stronger receiver. So Stefan Diggs is a weapon who I think the Packers will have to account for, and it may be tough without Shields. Diggs had 100-plus yards against Tennessee on seven catches, and they really found a way to get him involved. So... Look out for Stephon Diggs. Don't overlook him. Uh, I think he's going to be the, the thorn in Green Bay's side. Hey, quick interruption of this crossover podcast with Bill Huber. The first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How did your fantasy football teams do this week? Did you get in on the fun over at FanDuel? No, it's not too late. Week two starts tonight with the Jets and Bills. Fantasy football for everyday fans at FanDuel. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Plenty of contest variety. Beginner contests, head-to-head, 50-50, and large dollar amount tournaments, up to $2 million purses, and $200,000 for the winner. Have all that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to NFL 50-50 beginner contests valued at up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code LOVIKINGS. That's FanDuel.com, promo code LOVIKINGS. Start Tyrod Taylor tonight. Void where prohibited. You mentioned trouble. Now it's going to hit on him here. What are you gonna? What happened? I mean, he didn't even play. I mean, what, what, what have you? What have you seen there? What's the issue? And is it? I mean, is it just say it's it's a rookie when no much nobody should overreact here, or, or is there some sort of issue? Do you think? I think people close to the Vikings are are not surprised by that move because we watched Treadwell in camp, we watched him in preseason, and he just hasn't earned the reps. Now, it's also important to remember that. Trey Waynes, who in all likelihood is going to be a a starting cornerback much of this season, did not play much as a rookie either, and he's turned out to be okay. It's not requisite that these rookies play immediately when they have pretty good options in Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Charles Johnson. Um, Treadwell does not quite have the separation ability, and people have been talking about his speed for months. And I think that's bearing itself out in that he's not great at getting away from cornerbacks or linebackers or safeties, whoever's manned up on him. I don't think he's going to play that much this year. And if he does, it'll be in the red zone because he's a big target. He caught a fade for a two-point conversion against San Diego in the preseason, which is probably a similar role to where, where they envision him. But at this point, the Vikings don't need to rush him along. They have other options. They have Peterson. I don't think it's necessarily reason to go on full-on panic mode with Treadwell, but no, he's not lighting the world on fire as a rookie like uh, Randy Moss did after being taken in the first round in 98, that's for sure. Uh, obviously, you want your high picks to perform, and he hasn't so far, but you know, looking at, your, at the Vikings defense, so they, they got, you know, even without Rhodes, even if you take him out, well, you guys got, what, six first-rounders and, and two second-rounders in that lineup. Um, 
I guess let's just start with what they did last week. What, what did they do so well against the Titans in that second half, besides score a lot of points? Right. Well, certainly the offense didn't do them too many favors. They got in field goal range six times for Blair Walsh, and they couldn't finish any drives. But all it took was one mistake. You know, that game was going Tennessee's way until it was t- it was 10-6. to 6. Tennessee was driving. They were inside the 30. And then they Everson Griffin got a good pass rush on Marcus Mariota. He made a horrible, horrible decision and threw it right to Eric Hendricks, who returned it for six. So at that point, Minnesota goes in front. Then Tennessee was compelled to pass more. They had to, you know, get back in the game because they were behind. Then the Vikings were able to unleash that pass rush. They flustered Mariota even more. He made another big mistake. He fumbled the football. So it was just one thing that that led to another, and it was a slippery slope for Tennessee. The Vikings' defense is awfully good. That front seven is awfully good. And Harrison Smith does a great job of limiting things over the top. That's why I'm expecting Green Bay to do a lot of underneath stuff because I think Trey Waynes, as an inexperienced corner, is going to allow a lot underneath. That's going to allow Green Bay to to carve them up bit by bit, piece by piece, quick passes here and there, try to move the tempo, uh, maybe some no huddle, try to get that crowd out of it and just get Rodgers in a rhythm. Yeah, that's, that's, how they, that's how they navigated the field against Jacksonville, too. Um, you know, in 2014, Jordy Nelson, he scored more touchdowns of 59-plus yards on catches than 30 of the other 31 teams had 59-yard passing plays total, whether they, get, whether they scored or not. I mean, that's how unbelievable he was. Um, then, of course, he, he missed last year at the ACL. Against Jacksonville last week, he caught six passes for, I think, 32 yards. It was like, you know, five and a half yards a catch. He's in the, he's in the bottom of the NFL in yards per target. It's one week, big deal. But Green Bay showed really, I mean, other than they got a pass interference play to Jared Cook, the new tight end, and they got a downfield pass to Randall Cobb. But, I mean, otherwise, it was all underneath stuff. So I think that's how Green Bay attacked the Jaguars last week. And you're right, because Smith is so good. I, I would think that's how they're going to attack the Vikings, too, will be you know, throw it short to Nelson, let him run. Throw it short to Cobb, let him run. And, you know, both both, both attackers' backs of, of Eddie Lacy and James Starks are good receiving guys. They added Jared Cook, who's historically been a really good yak guy. So I, w- I would think so, too. I would think it's throw it underneath and let those guys run. And the Vikings obviously tackle very well. But, you know, maybe, maybe you can break a tackle and get, you know, turn a five-yard pass into something more. I think that's got to be the goal. I mean, that, that, that really is Zimmer's defense, isn't it? It's, I don't want to say Ben, but don't break. But, I mean, he's... They do give up some yards at times, but they just don't give up any points. No, you're right. You're right. They they do give up a lot of yards, but frequently they give up very few points. And last year they were fifth in points allowed, which uh, and and uh, fifth in least points allowed. I should say they didn't they didn't give up many points. I think it was 18.9 per game. And they often really bear down in the red zone and limit teams to field goal attempts. So when that field shrinks, and the Vikings really get to uh, to utilize their their closing speed and their tackling ability, that's when they get to shine. So. Uh, the Vikings' defense is going to be tough, and it's, it's I guess, tough to evaluate how good they were against Tennessee and just how inexperienced Tennessee was. They, they'll get a very good test against Green Bay on Sunday night. And, and Bill, we could talk for another hour on this game, I'm sure. We're, we're hitting our half-hour time limit here, but I do want to hear from you about the optics of this game. Obviously, Minnesota lost a big piece in Bridgewater, but there's a lot of organizational organizational momentum. They've got this new stadium. They've got a great young core. They have a, a well-respected coach and GM. 
Does Green Bay feel Minnesota hot on their heels? Obviously, Minnesota took the division crown last year. Or do the Packers still feel like this is their division to lose? I don't think they care. Um, it, maybe I don't. I don't know if this was a if they meant to say this as a kind of a subtle jab at the Vikings, or, or if it's just just a kind of a throwaway. And I'm not sure. What they, but they've said any number of times that include we had uh, Mike McCarthy for a us writers that for a long sit down session last week. McCarthy said, and this is what they've said before, is you know we don't hang banners for division championships. So. You know, he, for years he's always said, you know, the first goal is to win the division, and then you know you, you hope they get home field, and then yada yada yada. Well, I don't know if they care about division championships. They've won so many, and when, when they won the Super Bowl, they're a wild card. And I don't. So again, I don't know if it's a subtle jab at the Vikings because I think you guys are going to hang a banner on Sunday night that they don't care. But I, they do, they do for sure realize that the Vikings are really good. You know, Rodgers has talked. You know, even back to. Zimmer's days in Cincinnati, how, how much respect he has for Mike Zimmer as a coach. and So it's, it's not that the Vikings don't have the Packers' respect, because they certainly do. And everyone knows how great Peterson is, and the defense has done really good against Rodgers last year in both those games. But as far as the division stuff and the hot on our heels, I, I don't think they care. Um, I think Grimmie just wants to win the Super Bowl, I, you know, no matter and no matter how they get there. Um, how, about, how, about the, how about the Vikings' perspective? I mean, what do they take out of last year, and does any of that carry over to this year? Because you know, I asked Zimmer that in the conference call, and he said, no, not really, but I mean, maybe you know how they really feel about that. No, I think that the company line is that they're done looking back to last year. They want to look forward, and, that, and that's obviously what, what they're trying to say, what they should be saying. Um, but I, I want to just jump on what you said before that about the Packers not caring, and I think that's exactly where the Vikings would like to get to. The Vikings are still looking up this mountain, and they see the Packers on their perch, and their their lone goal, it seemed like last year, was dethroning Green Bay. You know, when they talk about them, they reference, you know, we're playing with the big boys, or or they make these shirts that say beat Green Bay before they play Green Bay last year. And it's that type of stuff that makes your world seem very small. It's like you're only trying to win this four-team division when, obviously, Green Bay, who's won a Super Bowl recently, they have bigger goals. They have 31 other teams to worry about because they've already conquered this small little village called the NFC North. Minnesota needs to get psychologically to the point where the division is secondary to the to their other goals in the postseason. And maybe this season they can finally take that step, having beaten Green Bay last year to win the North. But Minnesota, I think, is still sort of the understudy trying to win the lead at the play, you know? And because Green Bay's had such incredible stability, for 25 years with two quarterbacks, and Minnesota just can't figure out that quarterback situation, it's going to take a lot of time for Minnesota to to shift this era. The, the Vikings have a ways to go to change the culture of, of being top dog in this division, and obviously Sunday's game will be another chapter in it, and I can't wait to see what happens. You know, while, while we're talking psychological stuff, um, how much of a hangover is there from that Seattle game both for the team and for, for the kicker, Blair Walsh, who obviously missed two on Sunday. Yeah, less so for the team, more so for Blair Walsh individually. He He's in his own head right now. He's been pulling everything to the left side. He, he did it three times against Tennessee, and, uh, and it's definitely a concern. But it's a concern that you really can't address in a meaningful way because unless you're going to go get Robbie Gold, which I, I think a lot of people – you know, from the outside would like, but 
internally, I, I'm not convinced that Gold is really a great answer or a great solution. He's 34 years old. Walsh obviously has probably more leg strength and more good years in front of them if they can just get his head squared away. And I wanted to actually run this by you, Bill. Was it 2012 when Mason Crosby had a horrible stretch and, and he was able to come out of it because the team had faith in him? That's what the Vikings should do with Blair Walsh and just try to come out of these trials and tribulations and see if they can get him squared away because he's shown he can be a, a top-tier kicker. As a rookie, he was 10 for 10 from 50 and beyond. So he has the capability. It's all psychological right now, and some of it could be in the long snapper. Some of it could be in the holder. But right now, Walsh, uh, from, the, from the mental standpoint, just needs to calm down and just kick it through the uprights. You know, that's a, that's a great point. In fact, you read my mind, and I think for, for your Vikings listeners, if you're looking for a change, I, I, will, I will go down the Mason Crosby's road. In 2012, he made 21 out of 33, so he missed 12 field goals. I remember one game, I don't, I don't know who was against, it was like a 47-yarder, and he kicked it so far to the right that he hit the TV camera box, which is outside the hash mark. So it was, it was un- unbelievably bad. The last three years, he's been about as accurate as any kicker in the league, especially considering the conditions of, with the outdoor stuff. There's a lesson to be learned there, I think, that sometimes you just got to be patient and you have to have faith in your guys that we know you can do it, we believe that you can get it turned around, we're going to stick with you. And sometimes it's not, you're not better served throwing the baby out with the bathwater and you're better off just taking your lumps and showing faith that whether it's your kicker or a receiver or whatever, that you're better off just showing faith and and letting the guy work his way out of it rather than just saying, well, screw it, we're going to go get somebody else. I think there's a lesson to be learned there for, for, the, for the Vikings with the kicking situation. Because, you know, he is unbelievable to kick on when he's on. And, and, and he's shown that he can be great. He's young. He's great on kickoffs. He's got a good attitude. You just need to get him out of, the, out of this rut. It, it, and it's a bad rut, I mean, for sure. When you miss three kicks in a game, that's pretty serious, and that can, that can definitely alter uh, the wins and losses in a season. So... I think that it's almost destiny that this game comes down to a Blair Walsh field goal. The last time he had a meaningful game at home, it was that Seattle game, the 27-yard miss. Uh, karmically, it would only make sense if he had a chance to, to win it or tie it in this game against Green Bay, which leads us to uh, our final predictions for this Sunday's game. Which way are you leaning, Bill? I think Green Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in Vegas terms. Uh, they're thinking a close game. And putting aside the Walsh redemption side plot, I think Green Bay has a chance to win this game by seven or more. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning that way. I, mean, I, I picked the Jaguars last week, so you know what the hell do I know? But I will. I think Green Bay, yeah, because I, you know I, the offensive line stuff worried me with the Vikings last week and the way they shut down Peterson. And you know maybe Bradford comes in and, and you know makes the Packers play with two long touchdowns. But you know even with the change of guard, I, I like Green Bay's line better and. And if they can shut down Peterson, I, I like their chances eventually. So I, I am at this point going Green Bay by, like I said, maybe a touchdown. Yeah, I'm going to go 24-17 Packers. I think that it'll be relatively low scoring. I think Sam Bradford will have a tough time if indeed he is the starter in his first game in purple. And it doesn't mean that he's going to be a failure, but I, you, you couldn't throw a new quarterback into a more difficult situation with pressure, with noise, with a rivalry. Maybe he doesn't know how intense this rivalry is supposed to be because he's so so raw and so new. But uh, 
it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Vikings. They'll have to play a very perfect game and probably score a defensive touchdown to make it happen. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to serve up any Mariota-like interceptions for Eric Kendricks. No, probably not. He's uh, one of the best ever at, at avoiding big plays. So it's uh, should be a hell of a game. I, I can't wait to go see the new digs. You going to be there, Bill? I will be there. Cool. Come see me. All right. I can't wait to see you. And, um, enjoy the game, everybody. Remember, go to Locked On Vikings. And Locked On Packers for a look behind enemy lines. By the way, Bill, I heard those jokes you were telling on the previous podcast. And, uh, you know, you've got this fan base pretty riled up. <laughs> I got more on Twitter. So check out Friday's podcast. I got lots more Vikings jokes. It's a great thing about these games, right? I love Packers-Vikings because, you know, I know we're going long here, but I used to love the Metrodome games because our press box wasn't a press box where I sat at the 35-yard line and the fans could just come over and yell at, yell at us and yell at Ted Thompson. It was, to me, the single greatest venue for a media people to watch a football game. I used to love it there, and the, the atmosphere for a Packers-Vikings game is really second to none. Yeah, I mean, just packing everybody into that little sardine can with the pumped-in noise and, and the reverberating walls and the, the crammed concourses. I mean, you just really felt like like you were all just a, a big, happy family. And then when the Packers were there, you know, you were forced to be in such close quarters with them, whether you were at the, the trough urinals or trying to get a beer, your shoulder-to-shoulder scrunch with everybody, and it just brought the intensity level to a whole new high. One game as a reporter where you actually felt like you were a fan because, you know, I watch eight games here at Lambeau Field and you're in a press box on the seventh floor and it's like almost like watching on TV with the volume turned on. It's so quiet. So I, I miss those games. I'm looking forward to uh, the open-air experience. I know not the open-air, but the no press box experience on, on Sunday night. And we made it through the podcast without bringing up Aaron Rodgers' brother winning The Bachelor. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you thought that, you thought that uh, Noah's that, uh, the uh, luck comment shut Riders up. Should have asked him about that. That would have shut him up. Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear there's yeah, some... The next next uh, conference call. Yeah, yeah. Dude, well, how I'm... are you and Jordan doing? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, boy. Well, uh, we'll leave that for Locked on Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a show. I lost that network. I would not listen to that. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. That's Bill Huber. Locked on Packers. Make sure to check that out. I'm Sam Exum with Locked On Vikings. This has been the crossover edition. Vikings-Packers border battle on Sunday. Can't wait. Either. Thanks, Sam. See you Sunday. Enjoy the game, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.